Welcome to The Theology of the Bunny, a podcast for Catholics who love the beauty of the Church's sacred tradition. This is episode 64. My name is Julie, and I am joined by my best friend, Brooke. We are the female half of this podcast, and this week, you are going to be listening to just us. If you want to grow in your faith in new ways, deepen your knowledge of the Catholic faith, or connect with other faithful Catholics committed to helping you grow closer to Christ, you've come to the right place. Collectively, we've been friends for over 15 years and have learned a lot, and we want to share some of what we have learned with you, encouraging you wherever you are in your faith. We want you to get the best Catholic candid conversations delivered to you every week, so make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening. While you're at it, be sure to follow us on social media so you can keep up to date with all of the great content we are sending out. You can find all of our podcasts at theologyofthebuddy.com. So, Brooke, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. It's good to be back. I know. It's been probably since mm, November or something. Has it really been since November? I don't know. I feel like it must have been. I mean, truthfully, I don't exactly remember which last podcast I was on. But wow, that's been a while then. November. <laughs> yeah. You hadn't had you hadn't had baby John yet. No. What? Yeah. Wow. I know I'd been off work, then I was in the hospital with him. Then he was born and then yeah. Baby. And then, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And then of course we were back and still baby and uh took the break in the summer and yeah. Cool. Just been trying to cool. Find something that I could do. Yeah. A podcast I could uh, take part in. How was your Thanksgiving? <laughs> um, it was good. It was pretty pretty low key, pretty laid back. Yeah. We did dinner. Nothing else really. I baked a ton of cookies. You give me any cookies? No. Oh my goodness. Sorry. We've been friends for 15 years collectively, <laughs> but not to give Brooke any cookies. Well, I didn't give you cookies this time. Not this time. I am I know, tonight, though, probably after this recording, um, I'm making, someone on my Instagram had suggested making apple hand pies. <gasps> so I'm making some of those. And Give me some butter tarts. I'm making pumpkin pie tarts, too. I'll trade you for butter tarts. Butter tarts? A few. I'm not giving you all of them, but I'll give you some of them. Okay. I'll give you some of them with the other trade that you gave me. What was that trade? Uh, apple crisp. Oh yeah! How was it? Welcome to welcome to theology of the budette. This is what we do now. <laughs> yeah, we bake. <laughs> like someone do do tonight. I baked. <laughs> I crocheted. I watched unsolved mysteries in my pajamas and my loafers. Yeah, but it's true. That's my life. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is your life. Yeah. Right now. Well, um, cool. Yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll kind of get into it. But I was going to get into this anyway. But yeah, no, this week, Chris and I have been very sucked into watching the confirmation hearing for Amy Coney Barrett. Have you been watching mm. any of it? I've just watched a couple snippets. Like, I feel that I'm trying to catch up constantly. There's always something new. Like, yep. but the whole thing with the the Vatican coin happening oh, and yeah. all the COVID stuff still, you know. Yep. There's always something. I can't seem to catch up on anything. Oh, and like Trump being sick and then not sick. It's just. Yeah. But he I hear was, this Amy person's pretty cool. Yeah. I think she's fantastic. Some people don't. <laughs> but 
you know. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess just to summarize what's going on with her, a large focus, at least, especially the U.S. media, has been on Amy Coney Barrett's confirmation hearing. She is a nominee for the Supreme Court of the United States, and she's a Catholic, like a practicing Catholic. Um, she's got like seven kids. Her and her husband had adopted two of those. Yeah. Anyways, I guess supposedly she's blown up in the trad Twitter sphere for being naughty, true Catholic woman because she shared what appeared to be a feminist ideology and she works outside the home. Yeah. She herself had said that, quote, we should always remember that a legal career is but a means to an end. And that end is building the kingdom of God, end quote. So I'd say it's safe to say that hardline traditionalists do not approve her because she doesn't fill the trad wife tick boxes. Yeah. So I guess you might be wondering what exactly are trad wife tick boxes. I know in our kind of discussion, we would say those are the stereotypical qualities that many may expect a trad Catholic wife to exemplify. And on a personal level, I know both you and I have a had a general sense, too, of what those were, but we did survey some friends on their perspectives. Brooke, maybe you want to kind of share that what those were? Sure. So this all kind of, this topic stemmed from a meme that had been shared. Um, and uh, on one side, it has the liberated feminist, and on the other side, it has the trad wife. Yeah, maybe we'll attach that, try and get a source for it. Yeah. But um when we asked our buddies what they would say a trad wife is or what the trad wife stereotypes are, they said a wife that doesn't nag and is always really patient, lets the husband do what he wants, make everything homemade, homeschools, has a big family, no jeans, wears only dresses, must stay home and not work. Some say no NFP, therefore big, therefore big families and kids relatively close in age, enjoy classical literature, um, Latin mask great shape because she's active, very good at housekeeping and keeps the home well kept at all times, knits, sews, and other skills in tex textiles, knows how to spend money. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a pretty big list. Some things I think are totally achievable and totally great things where all together it's like, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think especially in our kind of discussions with one another, um, and I mean, knowing where each other have been, you know, and, and how each other has grown, um, say like we both have experienced the pressure and the judgment of not meeting the stereotypes. Yeah, I personally, I don't think it is only people saying things to you, but I think it can be the general feeling or treatment you do get from certain traditional crowds or the way people talk around you or to you, like the questions that they ask you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe you want to share some of your experience. Yeah. And just to say, this isn't all, this is not all traditional circles. Like it's no. just, you, you'd likely encounter this from just about anybody, honestly. They yeah. may just assume, oh, Catholic. These are all of the Catholic tick boxes. And, you know, that's just part of how society sees us. But then, you know, there are more, uh, there's just different people and they're going to have different assumptions and different criteria for what's, you know, the ideal, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, like from um, people outside of the faith, but also from people inside. Like, I feel the more you lean t- towards like Latin mass going traditional Catholicism, the more that you kind of are ex- maybe kind of expected, so to speak, to fill these stereotypes. Like some people really do use it as a marker for how traditional, how truly Catholic of a wife you really are, mm-hmm. which I don't think is fair. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. And it's not like doing one thing makes you more Catholic than someone else. Like, you know, yeah. if you, if you, if you don't wear dresses and you're not a Catholic, it's just an outrageous statement. Right. Yeah. Um, it's just a, it's just an example, but you, I think you see what I'm t- what I'm trying to say is, you know, it doesn't make you more Catholic if you do those things. Yeah, Brooke, right? what's what has your experience been like? Like, how have you um, experienced these stereotypes in your so, experience? Yeah, I I grew up in in the Nova Sordo. I grew up going to Life Team. I wore ponchos and bandanas to mass, so that's where I'm coming from. Um, both my parents worked and most of my teen life, I struggled with depression and anxiety that seemed to get better and then get terrible. And it was just kind of back and forth. Um, so I was already kind of growing up with that kind of struggle. And let's fast forward to my married state in life. Mm -hmm. I went through a lot of changes within the first few years of being, being married. Um, I mean, we got married. I moved away from home for my first time Then I moved into a house I had a pregnancy C-section with a very, very rough recovery that involved both physical, mental, and emotional struggles. Uh, And then two-ish years later, we were pregnant again, and I did not want to have to be isolated from family and friends. So we said, okay, let's move back. So I was very, very pregnant, and then we had to move, find a house and move, And, uh, and that was when we started attending the the Latin mass full-time too. So it's been busy and there have been a lot of adjustments. I've grown a lot. And right now I am currently homeschooling my daughter, um, which we had already decided to do before the pandemic. And um, so I've grown a lot. I've started homeschooling my daughter, which we had already settled on before world events had occurred. And with everything happening externally and my attempts to grow, I still find myself kind of struggling a little bit. Um, I want to have the picture perfect trad life wife per se. And while I haven't necessarily experienced comments or anything, I kind of feel this pressure that I should be achieving something. So maybe I, you know, will be more like more traditional, more like these amazing holy people that I see and and everything else. And uh, it's kind of discouraging at times because it's I'm struggling with certain things in my head that haven't quite been fixed. And yeah, it's it's tough when you have that burden there that hasn't even really been fully being pushed in your face, but you know, you think you're less because you haven't been able to achieve all of those things or I don't know, be mm-hmm. better, be great. I don't even know really what that means, but uh, you know, all the, all of those things being said, I don't fill out every single trad tick box. 
but you know, I do homeschool, I do bake, I do crochet, I make home cooked meals. I prefer wearing dresses because I'm lazy and I like just one thing to put on that makes me look pretty and feel good. I only attend the Latin mass or the Ukrainian divine liturgy if I need to. And I strive to have a clean home at all times. But trust me, I have my problems. <laughs> <laughs> so I know you had mentioned to me in, in conversation um, about a book. Yes. Uh, I actually don't, I don't have the source um, in front of me, but it kind of occurred in conversation. Uh, I believe it's Christus Finchit by oh, okay. Athanasius Schneider. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. <laughs> we have the book. I haven't read it, so I don't know. I could be pronouncing <laughs> it wrong. But so. that is right, though. Christus Finchit. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Um, and in the book, there was a discussion about, I want to say it was particularly about NFP or families, but I, I haven't read it. It was just in passing and my husband had shared it with me. And it was saying how if you, when you die, you will see all of the children that you could have potentially had, had you not been abstaining or, you know, using, I don't know. And, um, and basically you could potentially be damned for that, which was just like a gut punch. Cause it was just like, like, I don't know. It, I, I'm a rule follower. I like to be obedient and do all of the right things. And when I heard that it was, it resonated deeply. Cause it was like, I'm a failure. I'm not, I'm not good enough. Like, am I, am I damning myself for trying to be a faithful Catholic and, we're not we're not using contraception or anything like that, but it's it's tough because you know you have all these problems and then you hear something like that and it's just like I'm 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 broken I don't know what to do about this mm-hmm. and that's not I, and I love Bishop Athanasius Schneider I always will always have always will but these are the kinds of things that you read and experience and then you don't even know what you're doing with your life because mm-hmm. you think you're making these horrible potentially dangerous spiritual mistakes. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I think it's so difficult to be left in a place where you feel like that. Like, Mm -hmm. you know your limits, you know, you know, yeah, like what you can or can't, can't do. But then it's like, say, you encounter this kind of thing and then it's not enough. And I guess more so the question like of, you know, how do I fulfill that Mm -hmm. when you know that say you're at the breaking point and you, you're afraid, you know? Yeah. I think the truth is like, I want that. I want those amazing things mm -hmm. that, you know, is painted in this picture, perfect trad wife, trad life. Yeah. Type. I don't know, portrait that a lot of people want to have. And some people can have it. And that's amazing and great. Yeah. Like, it's wonderful. But then I go into it knowing it's just like, I don't, like, I'm so sick some days that I don't know what decision is the right decision to make when I'm constantly in a fight or flight, you know, state of mind. Yeah. So it's just like, I don't want anybody to get hurt. I don't want, I don't want to get hurt. Mm Mm-hmm. Like when it doesn't account for the actual place that people are in, you or know, the circumstances. I think, 
Well, exactly. Exactly. I think not that these ideals are bad or something we shouldn't say be striving towards as a point we are trying to get to, but the reality is that a lot of us just aren't in that place for whatever the reason might be. And yeah, like it, it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> to to put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Share a bit I'm, about your story. Yeah. So in my experience, grew up going to the Novus Ordo um, and both my parents worked full time. So I went to a regular Catholic school, started going to traditional Latin mass in my adult years. Um, and by that point, I had been, a, so I was a working wife and had experienced two miscarriages. Those two miscarriages, like it's not news, we've shared this with listeners before, but that happened in the first 15 months of our marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, so I needed the time to heal, especially emotionally, and especially after that second miscarriage, which was halfway through. You know, I realized really couldn't just bank on having children. Um, Mm -hmm. And especially for those who have experienced miscarriage, they know how traumatic it is, how that hope, like, is just ripped out from under your feet. You know, there is no, oh, well, you get pregnant and you have a baby at the end that you bring home. It's you get pregnant and maybe... Mm -hmm. You know, it's hard to hope and it's hard to get attached because you realize how fragile that is and how that just could be ripped right away. Mm -hmm. Anyways, so after those um, miscarriages that we experienced, I realized my call to serve to help women with reproductive issues. I went back to school for nursing, used NFP in the meantime. Um, And of course, even between you know, obviously say the time that we got married to even after I was done school, we dealt with lots of comments and questions like a broken record as to when we were having kids. You know, how do you answer that? (laughs) Like, well, you see, we have kids. They just, we lost them too early. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, um, people ask, like, you have no intention of it. Mm -hmm. You know, like you're purposefully trying to avoid having children, even though they don't know how bad you want them. You know, generally, we weren't really talked to at church by other adult couples, all of them having kids. And I realized that, say, there wasn't necessarily that point of connection. But, you know, again, just on that side of things, you know, when you're the couple that's married, but you don't have kids, so you don't fit in with one group. But you're married, so you're not single, so you don't fit in with the other majority. Mm -hmm. Where do you fit? Yeah. So, I mean, in addition to that, and like hearing talks and sermons on what traditional family marriage looks like, um, and having had a priest that said to Chris um, at one point that our miscarriages were because God was punishing us for our lack of faith. It left, And this was, we were going to the Latin Mass at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, we were visiting a parish, a Latin Mass parish, and this was what the priest said to him. Um, you know, and, and finding this out, like it left me just again, feeling even more like a failure and, and us, like we were outcasts. We didn't fit in again with the single and non-married people. We didn't fit in with the married folks with children. So it was an extremely lonely place to be. And we both felt quite judged and inadequate and no amount of wishing that you're in a different position is going to put you there. 
Yeah. So, I mean, those trad wife ideals were not really possible for us to meet. You know, even in terms of my working, it's not just me working for the sake of working. It was me working for the sake of answering a call that became very apparent. In addition to the fact that, you know, after losing two babies in a matter of months, like, what if we never could have children? You know, I wasn't going to spend my whole life just hoping that maybe someday we could have a child. So, I mean, there was kind of a dual motivation. Like, there had to be some other call that I was, some other, sorry, some other thing that I was called to, um, aside just from the vocation of marriage, like some way that, yeah, that I could give back and love and serve other people. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I didn't go back to school for two years. Like, it's not like we just didn't want children and just, I needed that time to heal, you know, and and figure things out. Like, I mean, I was definitely, I'm pretty convinced it was definitely a, a level of postpartum depression. Yeah. Okay. So, that all being said, I think these trad wife ideals are very problematic. I think it's an issue in my perspective because idealizing trad wife stereotypes does nothing but distract from the ends of marriage. Um, I think it's super important to remember that marriage is a vocation and a vocation is the call or path to holiness and union with God for the married person. That's how we're supposed to reach that union with God is through this vocation that we've been called to. Not called to stay at home, not called to have as many children as humanly possible. You know, we're called to the vocation of marriage with those twofold, with the twofold end of marriage. So yeah, procreation and education of children and the mutual help, good of spouses and a lane of concupiscence. It's from the 1917 Code of Canon Law. Canon 1013. So I think kind of going to step away from the talk of procreation and education of children for the time being. But I think we do need to mention that we need to remember that while children are the, quote, supreme gift, end quote, of marriage, they are not a guarantee. Children in themselves do not lead to holy parents and spouses. Um, And again, to keep that in perspective, Personally, I am speaking from the place of having had multiple miscarriages and with our son, a premature baby. So, and, and I speak too for friends that are infertile. So one cannot presume that a big families are the mark of a good or traditional Catholic wife or traditional Catholic family. You don't get it just because you're Catholic and a trap. Yeah. So coming back to the, the good of the spouses themselves, this is a call to holiness and therefore union with God is the end of the Christian life and where the vocation should lead. And there's sanctification through this vocation. And that's going to happen, you know, through many graces that are given to us because of our vocation, mm-hmm. because of prayer, because we ask for the grace and work with God through whatever trials that he gives us. And this needs to be a focus of the of the marriage and of your family life. And that's whether or not the wife stays home or works, whether the couple has no children or one or many, and whether the wife is able to homeschool or the kids go all, go off to an organized school, which hopefully is one that is a good, solid, amazing one, and whether or not she wears dresses or jeans or track pants. <laughs> the list goes on. <laughs> or pajama pants. I am. 
<laughs> I am often wearing pajama pants. <laughs> no, but not when I go out. Oh, that's I true. used to wear pajama pants when I went out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you must have really been from our little city. I was from the east side of that city for sure. <laughs> Um, yeah, I want to add, uh, that I had listened to a talk by a popular trad priest on discerning and preparing for a vocation to marriage. And he largely promotes many of these expectations for women. And there is a lot he has to say about men as well. All good things. But I think hearing priests such as him speak at length on the right way to do things without addressing the situation many spouse find themselves in, I have found to be depressing and discouraging. And I know I'm not the only one who has felt this way. I think in conversation with other friends, they've experienced similar feelings. So many that I know of have been, even at one point, part of traditional Latin mass crowds and, again, been poorly treated for not having, say, children at all. Again, in these cases, they've been couples that have been infertile, at least for a good length of time. They left and went to more traditional leaning novice ordo parishes because they didn't treat them so terribly there for not having a whole bunch of children. Yeah, I think in my pondering of his recommendations, you know, I, I guess I should add with that NFP is a big thing. I don't know if we mentioned it earlier. No, we did. But even couples that will use, use NFP, that is another big thing that priests will say, well, then you're not, or other people will say you're not really a trad Catholic then if you do that. Yeah. I think in my pondering of his recommendations, it comes down to this. There are so many people coming into traditional Catholicism, not having grown up in it. So many of the trad wife ideals aren't attainable as they are made out to be, or aren't as attainable, I should say. I think these ideals are only a means to holiness for families, not an end, as stereotypically they're made out to be. Um, they can facilitate the building of holy families, but they don't equal holy families. I think, kind of considering the whole situation and the whole thing about being a traditional Catholic is that it really comes down to each couple needing to seek the will of God in prayer and being attentive to it and especially responding to that. And we need to support each other while we seek this out. What's going to make the biggest difference, I think, even in children is not seeing who, seeing mothers that live a life that checks off these trad wife tick boxes, but seeing parents who seek and respond to God's will joyfully and build a home of holiness and peace. Yes. So, really, I think just these tick boxes are nothing, I, I, I know I said it before, but they're nothing else but, an, but a distraction. If you can do them, then wonderful. Like, I, I definitely, I see the benefit, but to make them out to be the only, like, the thing that you have to strive for, we're missing the whole point. So, we want to highlight some Catholic saints who were excellent examples of souls responding to God's will. One is St. Gianna Beretta She was a doctor and a pediatrician before she was ever married or had children. She was raised in the faith with the Latin Mass. In my research on her, I said she was like 33 when she got married. So 
She was long working. Her husband, Pietro, did not object to her continued work outside the home after they had children. Again, like it was a calling. Like she was called to do that. After she became pregnant with their fourth child, Pietro and Gianna had agreed together that she would stop working outside the home after the baby was born. Again, this, I think it's important to note that this is something that they discerned together that would be the next step that they needed to take as a couple. Sadly, Gianna passed away. But yeah, the focus here is that this was a decision that was right for the Molas at that, that, at that time in their life. They were attentive and responsive to the will of God. Zaley Martin is another example of a working mother. She was a lace maker, ran a successful business, so successful that Louis ultimately sold his watchmaking business to work with her full time. They too were attentive and responsive to the will of God. Again, Latin mass goers, because what else was there? And the parents of one of the most beloved saints and the greatest saint of modern times. Their additional children were all entered religious life and some are even up for consideration for beatification. In the book, A Call to Deeper Love, Zaylee reveals the desire for her and Louis' spouses to work together to provide for the family, not to leave it to one half. And again, this attentiveness and responsiveness to God's will paid off, so to speak. After Zaylee's death, Louis sold the business and the money the lace business made, plus bonuses from purchases and shares, was enough to cover the living expenses for Louis and all of the children, allowing him to retire early and care for them after their mother's passing. You know, I guess really the question is, did either of these women fail in their duties as Catholics and as married persons? Was Pietro less of a Catholic and less of a man for not being, say, the sole breadwinner and for his wife being home? And then what about Louis Martin? Yeah, I think uh, being out of the home isn't for everybody. I think really, like I said, just coming down to that point of us, we need to be responsive to the will of God. The whole point, again, in the Christian life is union with him. That's union of our will with God's will. Mm -hmm. So, no, we can't follow these stereotypical trad wife tick boxes because that's not paying attention to the will of God in our life. I know there's a lot more to it than just that, but really, I mean, we need to take that time to pray, you know, and that silence, mm-hmm. and especially praying and working with your spouse, mm-hmm. you know. Whatever, you know, if you say want to move, you know, you know, you're considering having more children, you want to homeschool your kids, potentially, you know, whether you're called to do some kind of work outside the home. Again, I, th- I feel like those are probably the most prevalent tick boxes, so to speak. But regardless, just being attentive to that and responsive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What were you going to add, though? So I wanted to share a little bit of a little bit more of my family history. Yeah. So if I was to look at examples of, you know, the the matriarchs of my family, right, I would be like, obviously, I would be looking to my mom who had three kids, worked as a nurse. My dad also worked. But I really do think of my grandmothers on either side. And they were both homemakers. That was that was what they did. Both had many children. My father's mom had uh, five, six children. One of them, uh, sadly, uh, was a miscarriage. Her name was Charlotte. And um, Grandma Sal, before she got married, was a nurse for two years. And then as soon as she got married, she stopped working and, and helped with the farm. That my, uh, I think my, I don't know how my grandpa had it. There's 
there's a whole bunch of farm stuff. I don't quite understand. Anyway, she got married. She ended up working this farm with my grandpa and they had seven children. So both of them worked the farm with their husbands. Both of them sent to the sent their kids to the schools down the road. Both were CWL members, made amazing meals to feed an army, and were sure to always look presentable. I don't think I ever went to my grandma's house and she didn't have her hair did. You know what I'm saying? That's amazing. <laughs> no, turtleneck, pearls, like tea, food, ready to go. Like always look great. Um, and both oh, Catholics, both, you know, loved the faith, loved Christ. Grandma Sal especially was always praying her rosary and always praying for her, for her family members. Um, and I, I look at them now, they're, they're both passed away now, but it's like, how did they do it? You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. love the idea of women being able to be home with their kids and practicing the art of homemaking. I love the idea of tons of kids. I love the idea of just wearing dresses, of being healthy, physically, emotionally, mentally. And those things are all objectively great and amazing things. However, I know that some of those things are not easily achievable. Many require a lot of preparation, grace, and support for those that want to do those things with and for their families. And I also know that we are called to sometimes different things. Like, if not me, then who, Lord? Right? Like, if there's something that needs to be done, is it me that has to do it? And I do hope I can achieve a lot of those amazing, great things. I, I honestly hope that Mike and I can have a big family. I just need to get better. And I'm in the process of working on it. So please pray for me because I, I do want to do all of those amazing things. Unless you fill out certain criteria, then you aren't trad enough. I think that's a pretty toxic statement. Like it's depressing. It's harsh. Yeah. I don't think it's true. Really? Mm-hmm. I think what we should be focusing on, and I've talked about this with Julie and and Mike in private conversations, is focusing on the growth in virtue and holiness in our vocation through means of prayer and fasting and the sacraments. It means offering what suffering and troubles we have seen or unseen by those around us to God and asking for the grace we need to grow in virtue and grace. And I firmly believe that with those things, by growing in virtues by, you know, rooting out those vices, by knowing ourselves, like we've talked about in the previous podcasts, then God will give us the grace that we need to achieve his will, to achieve what he wants for us. Yeah. I'm in To be a Catholic wife is someone that is dedicated to her faith and the salvation of her, of her soul and the salvation of her family prudence, servitude, and all of those other things will follow. They will absolutely follow as we grow closer to God. And they correspond with grace, self-denial, and discernment. Now, at the end of the day, we really just need to stop the label of trad wife. Can we just be Catholic? Yes. Can we just <laughs> be Catholic? <laughs> yep. And not lukewarm Catholic. Like, Catholic as we should as we should strive to be yep. holy. We need to focus on what matters. I have to say it again. 
a growth in virtue, proper and ordered discernment and prayer, frequent confession, attending mass, the rosary, pray the rosary with your kids, read the Bible with your kids, educate your kids in the faith. And that will, you know, just that will, that will be fruitful. It's, it will just, that's just how it is. And we need to support each other in all the right ways. And we need to remember to be charitable, loving, humble, and perhaps look at ourselves and our issues first before making false assumptions about other people, especially other trials, right? <laughs> yeah. Additionally, pray specifically for the grace to be a joyful wife and a joyful mother. Because sometimes being trad wife is not joyful. Because he's yeah. hard. <laughs> you know, um, he's so hard. <laughs> lot of for the people in the back. <laughs> Seriously, though, I uh, I think you're 110 percent right about all of that, and I'm yeah grateful you shared that story about your grandmothers. I mean, Thanks. it's so inspiring. Like, I want to be like that too. But again, it is. It's a process. It's hard. It's a lot. Of, it's a lifetime of learning. But again, that stuff isn't, I mean, in terms of having the put together house and the put together self, you're right. I mean, good to try to get there, but yeah, that growth in prayer and virtue and discernment is definitely what matters the most. I forgot to add one more thing about grandma. Okay. So grandma F on my dad's side. So she had previously been married. I think she was Anglican. Oh. Um, So she had previously been married. And uh, so she had two sons, Gilbert and Edward. And um, unfortunately, her husband got very, very sick. I think it was cancer, but I might be wrong. But I think it was cancer. And he passed away. So after he passed away, grandma went to work because she had to. She had to work because she had these two young kids that she had to care for. And she ended up working for, funny, Emco, which is where Mike's, like, Emco and Masco are like kind of they work together in the same kind of building which is where mike's dad works now so you know (laughs) that's amazing (laughs) but but then she she met grandpa delore and they fell in love and she converted and they went on to have you know my dad and charlotte who had passed away and and the two other boys too yeah so you gotta do what you gotta do you gotta do what you gotta do and just be catholic (laughs) yep i will add your rosary Pretty much everything you said, though, Brooke, um, I mean, it's a book I'm still working through. It's the the Benzinger brothers had put it out. But um, yeah, it was like published in 1880. Anyways, it's called The Christian Mother. Mm -hmm. It's so good. I mean, and it's got prayers in it that you can pray during the mass at different points in the mass. Oh, nice. Like, and it. I mean, really, everything that you touched on is basically what the book talks about. Like, even if you go through the index, yep, it's all in oh, there. nice. But again, the focus on the Christian mother thing. is not meeting these stereotypes. It's being holy, you know? Yeah. You're not Living holy a holy life with your dresses. husband. <laughs> exactly. Well, maybe. I, I mean, dresses. if you wear holy dresses, you know? Then you need to learn to sew and patch that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're both working on that one. I have a sewing machine. Don't know how to use it, but I have one. I know how to use a sewing machine. Well, let's get together. Oh my goodness. Yeah. We could start a business, Julie. Sure, we'll try. I want to start a lace making <laughs> business. 
like Sally Martin did. Um, yeah. yeah, so maybe by you know next podcast we'll be able to share about the the, the first thing we sew. That could be so fun. Yeah, I have so many ideas. Well, we'll get back to our listeners when we have our first item up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> now they're all gonna want it. Um, yeah, I guess that's kind of it. You know, be holy. Love your husbands. Yeah. Pray for your husbands. Yes. Love your kids. Pray for your kids. Yep. Preach yourself and pray for yourself. Yeah. Well, bless yourself before you wreck yourself and go to confession. You're so right. You're so right. <laughs> but most of all, I mean, really, at the end of the day, you gotta stay tratty. Tratty. <laughs> <laughs>